Grüezi and welcome to Null Pointers with your hosts, Mark, Stephen, and Gerald. Today we will be talking about internationalization and localization, also known as I18N and L10N. But before we get started with our topic, as it is the usual manual here on Null Pointers, it has been New Year's time. This is the first recording that we're doing back in our studio. So I wanted to take the chance and ask you, Gerald, have you got any great New Year's resolution that I could copy and paste? Yes, I absolutely do not. I'll take that. That sounds <laughs> so, great. I, I, think, I think that should be manageable. Yes. Because the ones that I have got in the back of my head... A bit of a challenge, but I think I'll take nothing. I'll I'll be I'll be open and honest. I mean, our listeners they deserve that. They are used to that from us by now. I think I will be like everyone every year will be a little bit more healthy, so more moving, less eating, less. I'll be honest, less beers. That would be also good for me. Um, so you know, just those things, but nothing more beyond like the. The regular things like that. So, how about you? Well, you know the the obvious stuff. You already said them. You know, like you take them off. You know, like more sports, healthier food, write more unit tests, get that YAML script running on DevOps. Finally, you know, parametrize it and stuff like that. I, th- I think that yeah, those are like the big ones. <laughs> They're on the top of the list. You're, you're setting see? lofty goals, Mark. You're setting lofty goals with those last few. Yeah, I know the YAMLs. They're they're killing me. They're killing. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Using YAML to write unit tests, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So something really strange. No, it's it's like you said, the basics. Eat a bit more healthy and eat less fast food or cookies, maybe. And cookies. yeah, yeah, that's that's my that's my mm. jam, I guess. Yeah. Release an app to the app store. Oh, that, that might, nice. might be a nice goal. I think Mark has another one. Contribute to open source software. That's always <laughs> his nemesis every year. Yeah, well, that, that open source thing sounds interesting. I think we should do an episode on that yeah. maybe one time. Yeah. No, uh, we actually do listen. If you want to hear about contributing to open source software, we actually have done an episode. So Gerald has taught me already all the goodness of open source software, and I am slowly maybe being convinced, moving towards it. Uh, 2021 could be the year, so stay around. It could be happening any episode. But... Well, Mark, Mark, I think, I don't know if this is going to be your segue into this, but you're already contributing because you are contributing translations to the app that Steven wants to release to the App Store this year. Oh, my God, it's all coming together. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, my gosh, it's all coming together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like a huge chessboard, and finally, and you'll be mate in about twenty-seven thousand moves. But so, as you said, Stephen is right now writing an app. Uh, Stephen might still mentioned what that app is actually about, and he has, in the last couple of weeks, uh, made quite a stir in the Microsoft MVP community to get contributors to work on it to help him internationalize and localize this puppy of him. And let's just get this thing out of the way. What is I18N and L10N? So I18N stands for internationalization, and you just take the I, and then 18 letters, and the last one is an N. So it's I18, yeah. So, and 
what the basic principle is there is how can you make your app so that it's usable by different cultures, like people all around the world, enable it to go global. And if you've done I18N right, what you then can do is you can do the L10N localization, take the L, skip 10 letters, and then you get an N. And what localization means is you actually then take your app and make it more cultural friendly. So the easiest thing is you could translate it into a language. Now, Stephen, you're doing this right now. Why do you even care? Why do you go through this trouble? Why do I even care? Well, I guess English is not everyone's first language. That's that's where it starts. Especially if you look like, for example, the, the Spanish-speaking community in Xamarin is, I think, quite big. And they they do most of their stuff. They they organize conferences and everything just in, in Spanish, basically. See, um, see. see, see, yes. So the the thing is, like 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 I said, it's just not everyone speaks English natively, and it's nice to have an app that's in your own language. Although I have to admit, I put most of my apps to English if I can, or if it if it forces me to Dutch or something like that, because it's it's typically those those terms I'm not used to seeing them in Dutch. So it, it's also kind of odd to to have an app in Dutch, uh, even though I am Dutch. Yeah, that, that brings me on a real tangent. You know, people uh, in Switzerland, I live in the German parts of Switzerland, and Switzerland is bananas when it comes to localization. I mean, we have four national languages. We, we can't make up our minds in languages either. Uh, all are perfect. Uh, so we have German, French, Italian, and the fourth one is Rumanche. Uh, that's like in the mountain counties. Very few people actually speak that language. But so we have four. And so when I have to write an app in the Swiss market, you usually always have two languages, sometimes three, uh, depending on where it goes. But another thing that you just mentioned before, Stephen, that I fully concur, people, they set up their computers in German. And then you get an error message in German and uh, <laughs> you never find anything on the interwebs for that. Or oh, it's just so much more painful. I, I, uh, yeah. So I usually always, when IT gives me my brand new computer, I change everything over again to English because I fully agree who, who does that in their own local language. That's just not normal. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the same for me. Uh, also with my phone, I have it like set up on, on English. Um, and it's kind of funny then you'll notice like what, um, apps actually support like the localization and whatnot. So uh, did you already mention this, Mark? So there's, so the internationalization is more like having the support for all the right culture things. So that's like the, the, the comma uh, mm -hmm. versus the dot and the, the dollar versus the euro, that kind of thing. And the localization is more like the actual translation of the app. So yeah, but, and then you can really see whenever I set my phone to English and you download like these really local apps, like from your uh, from your bank, well, the bank is usually quite quite good at localization, that kind of stuff. But there's other apps who will just, you know, have one translation. It's Dutch because it's meant for the Dutch market. And also the other way around. Actually, my banking app that I just mentioned, it has all these English terms in it where I think like, okay, this one I can do in Dutch. You know, it has all the proper Dutch terms and everything uh, for banking. But I think I was talking to, to Stephen the other day who asked me like, hey, how would you translate? What was it? Uh, something with threads or something. Pull, pull How requests. Oh, pull requests issues. or threads or whatever. Uh, so yeah, this is this is not really fun for the people who don't speak Dutch. I'm sorry, but there's not a really good translation for it. The the translations, the literal translation of those those literal words, um, they would be funny because a thread would be well. It's actually in the in the English word as well. It's a a thread like a 
uh, from a needle where you can can you know sew your clothes. Uh, that would be like the um, the Dutch translation as well, but in Dutch it would just sound funny, basically. I think it's the same in German-speaking countries. I don't know actually how it is in in a, let's say French or Spanish. Uh, I could imagine that there is some similar things going on. Uh, so we have a lot of English words uh, that are like sneaking into German vocabulary, and they're, they're called Anglicismen. Um, so it, basically, you you use the same English word. And I, I know that there are some people that go like really onto the extreme. I, I remember being in a architecture course, and they translate it stack and, uh, and cues and stuff like that into the German counterparts. And, and it was just strange. I mean, you, you don't talk with your colleagues using the German words for them. You, you tend to use, to use always the, the English parts. And I think that, yeah, it just shows how uh, you actually don't have to always localize. Uh, we might get again back uh, to that later on. But I think it's always good to keep in mind, like, who's your target audience? Uh, when you're localizing stuff because sometimes you'll just confuse people being smart to show them hey this would actually be your localized word might not be the wisest choice every time that being said i think it's when you do these things when you're trying to localize something or when you when, when that's uh, in the back of your head uh, i think there are some thoughts that have to go into your app when you go down the i18n route so one thing I think is that you generally want to separate your content that you're having from the actual implementation. When thinking about it, it's like localization. You said it before, Gerald, uh, and you, Stephen, uh, so that you don't like fix those things into to the content per se, but you make it uh, interchangeable. And another thing is, I think, having a design that can be used by different cultures. Now, this sounds very high willy-nilly. And not really concrete, but I think we could go into some of the challenges that you focus on or that you have when you do localization. And then you you might see how it's a good idea at the beginning before you start implementing your app to make these thoughts and then, uh, yeah, choose what's right for you. Yeah, so I think a, that that's a great thing to do. Like, you know, upfront, think about like, hey, is this ever going to be translated and how will possible designs look um, then, because English has, I think, mostly like shortish words for most of the things. But whenever you go into, I don't know, French and maybe I think German as well has some crazy long um, words for for things, and in in Dutch too. Um, so you know, words can be longer, words can be shorter. Um, or if you go completely crazy, not crazy, of course, not saying anyone is crazy, but if you go like something that you're not used to in the Western world. Um, it's, of course, the right to left. Um, so you go into Arabic and that, those kinds of languages where uh, they start reading at the, the right side of the screen. So everything, you know, is flipped horizontally and you will have to um, take into account that your design still makes sense whenever that happens. Yeah, I, I have to say I got some... Uh, I've, I sent out a feeler, like you said in the intro, Mark, um, about people wanting to translate my app or contributing to translating my app at least um and some people indeed suggested well i can do persian or arabian or some language like that and i was like okay yeah but those are all right to left i'm not sure if my app can handle that and i faintly looked into it or, or just skimmed the the docs page and i don't think it's as simple as just setting some some toggle or something because i think it it needs a bit more work so i i respectfully declined for now i have to say 
but yeah, left to right is, is definitely one of those things. Like, but I think Xamarin, for example, also already mentions in their own docs that if you want to go true right to left, the carousel view would have to swipe the other way, mm. but it doesn't do that, for example. Yeah, one of the things that the Xamarin team said, well, it, it just doesn't support that. And there are some some caveats to to get it fully implemented, let's put it that way. So that's why I put off to that one for now. But like Gerald said, uh, also the, the label texts, like for buttons, um, I w- actually ran into that where the English word is add, which is three letters. And then for Dutch, we have a word that's, let me count that real quick, nine letters. Talk about overkill. So <laughs> that that didn't fit. <laughs> and that kind of tore my design to shreds. It's toevoegen, toevoegen for the yes, people who want to for, learn. For stuff. those who really want to know <laughs> um, and want to take some learnings away from this episode. But yeah, that didn't fit at all. Uh, it just truncated the word in the middle on the button. So it just said T dot 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 E-N. <laughs> it was like totally useless. Well, you could make it T7N, T7N. Yeah. T7N, yes. I, Problem I will solved. Just <laughs> translate the whole thing into that speak, whatever name that kind of speak is. So th- what I wanted to say is the thing is like, if you want to change your language on the fly, um, sometimes you also have to take into account the actual calculation of the width of objects so for example i ran into that with the add button which was quite small and then i flipped the language at runtime in the app and then well it it still stayed small but it just got a bigger label so (laughs) also need to get some redrawing of the ui in there if you if you really want to go down that route of changing it at runtime i have to say it has its challenges that's for sure absolutely i think changing the localization at runtime is uh, an extra hurdle that you have uh, i i remember doing that a couple of years back and we just resolved to popping up a information to the user to please restart the app so every ui would be redrawn that's the lazy way how you can do it but the other thing that you mentioned is these uh, letters that can change i mean for me one of the most verbose languages that i have to handle often in apps is french so french usually you have a bit more letters to express the same thing not always not always i mean like german with add it's 10 letters i just counted it quickly in my head i think in zufügen i think that's like one letter more and uh, yeah that can really that can really uh, explode some some buttons that you have or, or really kill your design at certain areas so in those parts, what I sometimes like to do is just add a symbol uh, so you don't anymore have the text, but you just like have a plus sign. That's cheating. That's cheating. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. what I do. Yeah, well, <laughs> cheating through life. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, but I mean, the other thing can be like, uh, so I think in, in the parts that we live in, the plus sign, it's always, it's, it's just recall that it means adding something. It's not taking something away. But uh, I'm not sure, but I'm making this up right now on the fly. But it could be that in some cultures, a plus sign is not something you want to show in public or it's like unfriendly sign. And for those parts, you would then probably want to exchange that plus sign through something different. So those are always things that I think you have to keep in mind when when doing these localization things that mm. you can't just say, I'll just use something that works in my culture and it will work everywhere. And uh, I think that's also the other thing. So, Stephen, I could ask you, so, Stephen, why didn't you just use artificial intelligence? I mean, there's so many services. You could just have used the cloud, the greatness and the goodness of the cloud to solve your localization problem. Why didn't you just go down that path, Stephen? Well, I was born somewhere 
before the, the Alta Vista. Now we're getting a story. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, born getting a story. one day. <laughs> one day. I think it was called Bubblefish back then. Oh, yeah. Which, which oh, yeah. was a translation service. And it just, it was more comedy than translation service. <laughs> just currently already, like there's, there's loads of YouTube videos where people put lyrics in English into Google Translate, translate it <laughs> to something else and then back and then make a song out of that. And it's absolute stupid. So I, I don't have too much faith in uh, in that. I have to say I, I do use like automated translation to at least review the PRs that I get. Like if there's no absolute nonsense in there somewhere, which obviously I don't expect people will do, but um, it's nice to at least have some sort of review because, well, I don't speak any of these languages. So that's that's me just translating it and reviewing it that way. But yeah, I, I just don't trust the machines, man. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't make them smarter than they already are. Uh, no, but then, then you're getting back like the thing that I mentioned earlier, right? Then we're going back to the thread being um, actually being translated to that literal thing. Uh, while in this case, I think even although you are a Dutch person, I think you can expect, especially with an app like this, uh, which is going to be used by software developers mostly, or at least you know someone with a technical background, um, that they know that all of it is going to be Dutch, um, and they know that thread is going to be the just a term which is like now also part of the the Dutch language, right? Um, it, not officially, but they will know what you mean. So I, I feel at least it's still, please let us know if, if I'm totally wrong here. Uh, I still feel that that is still very inclusive. And I think, you know, it, it would confuse users even more if you would go with the literal translation of that word instead of just using the term that is accepted as a, a technical thing uh, that is now established in in our language so that is kind of the thing that you're going to hit with like ai translations i think i think like if you're going with the ai translations I, of course it's getting better and better like all things ai uh, but especially if you have like this single term that you're going to use then it's just going to literally transfer translate that to to the other term right because it doesn't know the context so if you put it in a sentence then you know it might know at some point if you teach it um, like, hey, it, you shouldn't translate this word if it's used in a more technical context. So then it, it might be better. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the language and things is, is a living thing. So it the AI and the machines is really catching up with like how people are using language. And will it ever get to the point that it will be 100% reliable? I don't know. Um, it's, it's become much better since Alta Vista babble fish that's for sure but uh it's it's still far from perfect yeah i agree and i think uh steven you said it before really nicely when you mentioned that uh people they translate a text from english to another language and then back and then they make a new song out of that i think it's like also really hard to sometimes get the meaning of the sentence uh, i remember i was listening once to where they said there was like this poem uh, that was written originally, I think, in French, and they tried to translate it into different languages. And that was like really hard because the, the meaning and the rhythm and everything was really hard to then capture into a different language. And I think those are things that one has to keep in mind. Uh, so when I did the translation from the app from English into German, I, I used a, a AI tool, uh, Deepool. 
uh, you might know it. It's a translation service where you can copy this text in and then it translated it over to German. And then for me, that really helps, even though I speak both languages quite fluently, to just like get the meaning over. And then I can go and say, oh, this sounds a bit odd or, or maybe I could exchange that. And Deeple, you can also like get synonyms for the individual words. And, and some sentences you just can't, it, like in German, you don't say awesome. You, you, you say it, but it's like in a different way than um, you would do it in English. And so some sentences, when you just translate them all over, they're just like, yeah, that's a bit a bit odd. I might have to rephrase that one. And I think that is something that a human can do really well, and an AI might still fail at the task. Another thing that you can do is use professional services. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to do that in my professional life. And I remember copying in languages into the ResX file, the resource file, which is an XML, which is usually used in .NET to make localizations. And you have got no idea what you're just copying in there. I think it was like Polish or something. And I could not tell you if they were just saying, whoever is copying this over here is just a complete moron or if it was the correct translation. I, I didn't know back then. It was just like, I hope there are no profanities in here. But yeah, that's uh, that's how localization can go. Another one that I really like is daytime formats. I mean, date times are always oh, great. Oh. And we're not going into time zones, otherwise we'll break Stephen on this one. Stop and it. me and Gerald. And probably some <laughs> listeners. No, but so daytime formats, I think it's like really funny. Like there's that one country uh, somewhere, they do the month before the day and then comes the year. I don't get that. What's up with that? Luckily, it's just a small country. So, you know, who, yeah. who needs to bother with that? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, do it from large to medium to small or the other way around. But what's what's up with... Well, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's always fun. The formats and the things and the different separators. And then, you know, then again, uh, I think we are kind of fortunate enough that um, at least most of our countries use the same kind of calendar because else you're really in trouble probably but yeah and a lot of these things and also especially for daytime formats i think um, is is you know just properly using if you're using dotnet and i'm sure this is true for other frameworks as well just use the tools that are built into the framework right so don't go hard coding day day dash mm dash format strings year. Don't do that. Just go with like the the, the short date string that is um, built into .NET, and the .NET framework will figure out for you what the right format is on the uh, device that you're running on. You know, given that you are setting the right culture and things, of course. But um, that is like the the big thing, the big yeah, kind of like discipline that you need to have, and your team needs to have to uh, not take shortcuts there and really spend time into finding the right build in things into your framework um, and and use that in your application. But yeah, daytimes are always fun and also with localization and internationalization. So. But what if your designer wants it in a specific format? Well, that, I think then, at least in .NET, you have the great opportunity to just say daytime to string. And then as Charles said, you can make the double Ds and the minus and the triple Ms, uh, the double Ys. That's that's the thing, right? Then, then you prefix it that it always starts with the year for every country ever. That's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's I a downside. It's, it's a trade-off. Uh, I've I've worked at companies where they were international, and so they said, "Listen, when you write down a date, you write down you write down the first two. Uh, it's a day. And then you write the th three letters in letters like January would be J A N." 
and then you would put down the year in four digits. And I just said that because people got really confused because you had Americans that were writing the American way, you had Europeans that were writing the European way, and then you had the 9th August 2021, and no one was sure, is this now in August or is this now in September, because it could be either way. And so I think there are cases where you want to really tell the user or where you just want to have that control. But generally, I would follow Gerald's advice and just see to it that it's local everywhere. Uh, another great thing are commas. Uh, when you when you type in numbers and then you've got a decimal comma coming up. Uh, I know that some countries, they like to use the comma. In Switzerland, we usually use the dot. And if you, if you pass that thing wrongly, that can uh, be really interesting when you try to convert that string back into a number. It could just explode. Good. That's our possibilities. You're, you're opening up a, a can of worms that I thought I buried very deep in the garden. Oh. <laughs> Stephen well, is going to a corner yeah. and starts crying. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to listen to my boys on CD. <laughs> starting to go back into the fetal position yeah no yeah. another 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 great thing uh that you sometimes have to keep in mind i think is images i luckily didn't never have to do a lot of image image exchanging but in theory uh at least in the xamarin films framework which we have mentioned a couple of times in the show you can have images localized to the various languages that you're offering and uh, i think one one obvious thing is when you have pictures within the text and you then want to localize that then you would have to do that uh, another thing can be that you want to localize the image that you're showing so one thing that pops into my head is when you have like food and you want to have a dish that looks really appetizing you might want to localize that according to where you are so in switzerland it would obviously be raclette or fondue and in the Netherlands, it would be stroopwafel. I don't know. <laughs> That's not an evening dish, but yeah. I'll, I'll of course it. it is. I'll I take always it. take a side of stroopwafel, definitely. Yeah. With Together your fries. With, yeah, with my fries and while watching my tulips with my wooden shoes. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. Uh, I think uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I think uh, images is, is something that is very easily overlooked. Uh, Mark, I think you said it. The other way around just now, you said something with images being in text. I think you meant text within images. Yes, um, thanks. So, yes, thanks. and that, that's not going to be picked up by something that's local. And that is going to be a little bit of a pain because, you know, images can be big. At least they're bigger than text. So, you know, you have to be careful with that. So probably if you can do that some other way around, maybe, you know, um, design your way around that and make the image only the background and make the text actual text then you know it's easier to translate because else you will have to copy and paste that image for each of the languages that you're going to support right so if your image is going to be one megabyte which hopefully is not true to begin with but then you're going to have three megabytes if you are supporting three languages just to have that same image in there so uh, but it is a thing that is that is easily overlooked i think the images and i think you can do it with like the same mechanism that you've already mentioned mark with like the the dot net um resource things um as well that that same kind of mechanism one thing actually that that comes to mind talking about all of this is um, um something outside of our normal world which is you know for when you're doing this on web then you might have all these kind of labels that are translated dynamically uh so one thing that comes to mind is with like your single page applications with like the the thing i very much remember this happening with is uh 
Angular, I think, in the early days at least. So then you have would would have like these these angle brackets with like uh, I don't know some kind of identifier that would be replaced with the localized string, and that is going to be like killing for your search engine optimization, right? Because it will index now all these kind of weird um, angle bracket things instead of the, the translated things. And of course, there are solutions for that. And to be honest, this is going to be a very disappointing story because I don't know what those solutions were. Uh, but if you're listening to this and a web developer, that is something that you might want to think of. <laughs> Luckily, uh, we, we three, we live more on the native client side world. So not a lot of SEO optimization going on for us or at least most of the text will be localized. But yes, I, I know that you can do those uh, shenanigans also on the web uh, websites uh, where you then can load in your localized text. Uh, and as you said, I mean, usually it's just a key value pair. So whatever format you get, it's pretty straightforward to write a little piece of script that will then dump it into the various formats that you're using within your app. Another one that I've been made aware of that I, I actually never consciously thought about is using colors within your app. So someone once told me, I mean, in, in Europe, I think generally speaking, red means not good. It can mean stop. It can mean be careful. It, it's an alerting sign. But there are other cultures where red actually means good luck. So what I'm trying to get at here is sometimes, it, it, I think it really depends where your app will be going to. But if you're working with colors to make something even more relevant, and I, I hope you're not just using colors because some people might be colorblind. So it's uh, never just use one, one way of communicating this. But this could not be interpreted always the same way. Just keep that in mind that if you're using colors, you might want to have different color sets to use uh, on your various cultures. Now, we've talked a lot about different parts that we should be uh, aware of when doing localization. How can we actually do this, Stephen? I mean, you've now done a bunch of localization. What are the tricks that we have in the .NET framework for, for achieving these things? What are the tricks? Well, one of them is obviously, I think you mentioned them already somewhere along the way, is the ResX files, which is a, uh, a .NET format for providing resources. And in this case, the, the text strings uh, kind of make sense to put in there. Um, and I think in the naming, it also takes that into account. So if you have like a translations.resx file, that's for your default language that will be used if no other matching culture is found. And if you then add separate files like translations dot and then the two letter ISO code, I think it is, or ISO, I should probably say, uh, for that country or that language actually, then you can basically name the files and it should uh, pick up on that if your current app culture is that language. Um, and in, this, in the case of Xamarin, the Xamarin Community Toolkit, which we cannot leave an episode not plugging that, I guess, it has some extensions in it uh, that allow you to change the language at runtime and bind your labels using these resources that I mentioned. So at runtime, it'll always pick from the right resource dictionary. And that's, that's the basic thing that I use at least. On Visual Studio for Windows, you actually have a quite awesome plugin that I think you, Mark, also use, um, which is the ResX Manager which gives mm -hmm. you, instead of having to deal with like 10 XML files plowing through those, which is kind of horrible, you get this great big grid 
to uh, to end all grids, I suppose, which just has columns for each language and then horizontally rows, it has the, the label that you're trying to translate. And it also highlights a lot of things like missing labels. It highlights those in red or maybe even where, where your punctuation is off. So I, I saw a few labels that... I ended with a period, but other people ended them with exclamation marks or question marks, which in the case of a question mark is kind of strange because suddenly in that language you're asking a question. But that that helps a lot as well um, with at least standardizing and, and making sure that everything is uh, is provided as it should. Yeah, the VS extension, the ResX manager is really great. I think Gerald actually pointed that out to me a couple of months, years ago. And uh, I've been using it ever since when I do my localization. You could you even get the opportunity to export it into Excel. So if you prefer to view the grid of grids, the Excel grid, you can do it there. On macOS, uh, I've been using Rider lately to do some development work. And Rider has also has got this nice integration so you can see all the languages next to each other. It does not bring the feature with the punctuation, like uh, when you've got a question mark or an exclamation thing, but it highlights if you add a new language and so it is not empty, you just add another language over. So you just copy and paste over English. It will then tell you there that you just have, that it's identical to the English language, which again is can be a false positive as we said before. Sometimes you might just write thread there as it is the word that you use and or okay. I mean, okay is uh, okay in English, in German, I think even in Dutch. So yeah, it, it will give you a false positive there that something is wrong, but I think it's a lot better than having to deal with the raw XML files for sure. So yeah, be sure to check out the tooling. Uh, there might be some great helpers there. I don't know if there is an extension for Visual Studio Code that helps you there. Might be. I mean, Visual Studio Code has got a ton of extensions. I just didn't check out. If you have got a great extension for Visual Studio Code, dear listener, be sure to let us know at nullpointers.io. IMs are open. And with that, what are our takeaways, dear Gerald? So I think one of the important ones is that we mentioned, like, you know, if you want to do this, if you want to do this right, you want to start during the design phase and maybe prototype even a little bit and see if, like, all the languages that you want to support, at least at that time, because, you know, you're going to be agile about it, that are going to look great on the screen, on the design that you're implementing. Um, actually, one thing that I, I remembered while talking about this, while you were cheating, Mark, uh, with yeah. putting the the plus sign on, that was wasn't that also good for like the inclusion or whatever or the the, the readability usability. Stephen, I think there was a little comment from from Denny somewhere uh, where you asked like, also should I use an icon or a word or whatever? Um, and at least he said like, you know, if if something is in oh sorry for the people who don't know Denny, he is like a well known guy at least in like the the Xamarin kind of .NET community. Uh, he is he is like very. Um, onto the accessibility and uh, because he is um, um, someone that benefits from that himself. But he was at least like, you know, if that's an app that's already used, then try not to change as much as possible. I mean, at some point it's inevitable probably, but at least not not change it. And did he also have like an opinion on change, uh, using icons over text? So no, um, Denny's idea was mainly about changing a well-known icon. I think it was a save button, which I used uh, a, a floppy disk for, which we three know, but there's going to be a generation who doesn't even have a clue. I think that generation already even is, exists. They just know that icon is for save, but God knows why. Because, well, it's something the old people know. So I was, eventually I decided actually to 
make it all text labels instead of icons just to be sure that I convey the meaning the best. And because a designer I know told me, get rid of that floppy disk, it's ancient. But changing that into text meant I had to change everything into text because consistency. But yeah, now I have to translate more labels, basically. That's that's what it comes down to. Aww. But now I, I don't think there's a, like a right or a wrong in, in that discussion going icons over text or not. I think as long as you stick to it, like Danny said, you're, you should be fine. Okay, cool. So sorry for the little distraction. Let's get back to the takeaways. Mark, what is your takeaway from this? I think for me, but I think that's my cultural background. I would always opt into writing your app so that it can be translated into a different uh, locale. Since uh, it's just like, it's, just an, it's so quickly that you, even if you just say, I'll just bring it out in German. Two hours later, you have to bring it out in English too, because a lot of people speak English. And if you then have all your strings hard-coded into your app, it's a nightmare to find them all. And it will still be weeks later where you stumble over that little text block that you forgot in the About page that's then still in whatever language that you implemented it first. So I, I would definitely recommend that. And the other thing is don't overdo it. There's like this 80-20 principle. And I think it's always good uh, to keep in mind who's your target audience. Uh, I think most apps do have the benefit that they have a targeted audience or that it's targeted towards uh, people who will be using it. And you will know what they will know. They will maybe have all a similar domain language as we just discussed before in the app that Steven's releasing. And just don't overdo it. I mean, there are so many possibilities that you could do. You could localize images and everything and whatnot. But uh, you also have to know what you're doing. So that means you will have to have cultural experts or people that know, know the culture to, to help you out there. And uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's better to start small and know what are the areas that might have to change and then be able to stay agile in those parts. Stephen, anything to add? Anything to add? Not really. I think you covered most of it. I can add a thank you to everyone who contributed. And if you're listening to this and you speak a language that is not English or one of the languages we already have, be sure to contribute as well. And with that, uh, I think that wraps up this episode on internationalization and localization. We've been your hosts, Mark Alibone. Stephen Davison. And Janos Close. And let us know what are your experiences with i18n and l10n on Twitter and alpointers.io. DMs are open. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe and until next week on Null Pointers. Mm-hmm.